Arena Crafties, we are back for installment 5 in our Zendikar Rising complete spoiler review. Enjoy. Cragplate Baloth. 5 green green. Creature beast at rare 6 6. Kicker 2 in a green. The spell can't be countered. Hexproof haste. If it was kicked, it ETBs with 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. So one of the main reasons I'm interested in this card is that it reminds me of Carnage Tyrant. And that card saw a surprising amount of play in the format that it was in. There are some ways in which this is worse, and namely it costs one more, which is definitely worse. It has Haste, which is better than Carnage Tyrant. It doesn't have Trample, so that makes it worse. And it has 6 power instead of 7 power, which makes it worse. But Haste is frickin' a strong ability, man. And the edge case where this thing ends up being 10 power is pretty scary. Granted, that's going to cost 10 mana. So here are my questions with this card. A of all, have we moved standards so far to the point where Carnage Tyrant would be unplayable? So that's my first question. And B of all, is this going to matter? Just in this particular format, is a card like this going to matter? Somebody's ears are going to be burning, and hopefully uh, they will send some feedback to the show or leave a salty review, because we just need that engagement. But I'm going to... I mean, hey, I might, I might make you mad with this one. Yeah, Carnage Tyrant wasn't that playable. Uh, okay, I mean that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> well, okay, okay. I, I see that. You, see, you forgot to vet me. We didn't go back and talk about Carnage Tyrant before you invited me to be your your co-host. No, uh, Carnage Tyrant had its moments, but it was not like it wasn't very key in many matchups or strategies by the end of the format it was a little bit of a sideboard here and there at the most i would agree that it wasn't just like a insta slam index it did come out of the sideboard in multiple matchups i do remember it seeing a fair amount of play and i remember it seeing a fair amount of tournament play so i think that you you have to acknowledge that that card was a player and something that you had to respect in the format yeah all right that's fair <laughs> You can just disregard... Head in sand. <laughs> you can just disregard the green dinosaur. That's the, I, Hey, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. <laughs> I, I, it would probably be a fun show to go back and be like, how many carnage tyrants in this top eight? But um, anyway, the, like I, I guess this is probably just going to shape our opinions on the card. You probably don't want my help evaluating this anymore if I dare respect the mighty tyrant. I figured that you'd be down on this card, and to be clear, I'm not super up on it, but it looks enough like a card that I remember being played, especially out of the board, that I thought it was worth talking about. The thing that I always remember with big green monsters is that the bigger it is, the more important trample becomes. Yeah, the loss of and trample this ain't sucks. Got it. It really does. Yeah, it really sucks. So are you basically not worried about this when you're playing a control deck then? Do you think that the control deck will have answers for this? I'm never going to take like have in my mind what do I do about Craig Pate plate Bayloth because I can always make a one one with my castle block it yeah. untap then shatter the sky. Castle embarrassing this card is pretty bad. Yeah, I just, I, I don't have fear. Also, seven mana is like that, it's kind of that threshold with on the lands, right? Because that's what the land sorcery spell is, for for the most part. 
Um, so I might have two angels when you play this, or I might have just drawn a bunch of extra cards. So maybe I'm tapped out and you get to hit me. It's, it's interesting and it's format. It's contextual. Carnage Tyrant also was contextual. I think Carnage Tyrant was better. I think that adding a mana to Carnage Tyrant would have pushed it almost completely off the map. I agree. And this isn't strictly better if it were six. You know, it would be close. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's not it. Mm -hmm. I think the the question is, which do you value more, Trample or Haste? And I would agree that given, specifically given the fact that Castle Ardenvale is in the format, I think that that moves us towards the trample being better or some other form of evasion. If this had the like uh, can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less clause on it, I think it would be a lot mm. better. And frankly, I don't know why it didn't have that on it because I don't think it, I still don't think it would have been like a format smasher if it did. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but green card without enough text. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, I think Elder Gargaroth is probably just going to be strictly better than this card. And that card doesn't even see main deck play in a lot of decks. Let's talk about, read it for us, Inscription of Ruin. Inscription of Ruin is two and a black sorcery at rare with kicker two black black. Choose one. If this spell was kicked, choose any number instead. Target opponent discards two cards. Or return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Dot. Destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less. Okay, reading discussion. I have to, I think I'm going to start saying like dot because it's, it's like choose one or choose any number if it was kicked. So I'm having trouble like deciding how to, how to separate them. them. Yeah. So I'm just going to say dot. Sounds good. So in a nutshell, you get a mind rot, or you get a call the death dweller that only hits one thing, or without the abilities, or you get a destroy target creature, converted mana three or less, but at seven mana, you tie it all into a bow. What do you think? Okay, I'm not feeling this card. Here's why. First of all, it's sorcery speed, which kind of sucks. That makes it worse than the green modal one in a number of ways. Like, what deck is going to get value out of all three of the modes? So I'm just thinking about a deck that runs small creatures is probably not angling to get to seven mana and really get paid on this. And even when you do get the payoff, it's just not that big of a payoff. We're really below rate on the removal spell. Mind Rot is fine, so you can just cast this as a Mind Rot if you want to, but Mind Rot is not standard playable. So uh, it's just hard for me to imagine any scenario in which I'm excited to cast this spell. Yeah, that's the that's the thing with the price, right? Every single thing about it is priced probably one more than it should be for playability, Yeah, which means that if you're ever playing it for three, you're falling behind and you have to get to seven and play it for seven and have all the modes matter, or at least two of them, to feel good about that, which seems unlikely. And I think that makes sense, and that's where I fall on it too. I'm not excited about playing this card, and yeah, not not into it. I did just realize, why is green instant? Blue is not instant. This is not instant. Yeah, uh, obviously this up. one. This one kind of can't be an instant because of the mind rot ability, right? Yeah, probably. People really don't like that. But one of the things I don't like about it is that none of these modes are relevant at seven mana. That's that's what I don't like about it. At the point in the game where you're spending seven mana, 
the mind rot might just not be relevant anyway. You've already, your opponent's had a chance to play the cards that matter. A CMC cost two or less creature doesn't matter on turn eight or whatever. And likewise, destroying a small creature on that turn likely doesn't matter. So that's kind of what I don't like about this. I mean, in addition to all the other things I don't like about it, it just seems really irrelevant specifically at seven mana. I completely agree with you. Okay, so this was a card, I misread this card originally, and it's worse than I thought it was. I thought this card was an instant, and I thought it was busted. But instead, it is a sorcery. Royal Eruption, one and a red, sorcery, kick of five. It deals three damage to any target. If it was kicked, it deals five damage instead. Is this card going to get played in standard? Yes. Um... Just about every time that we haven't had Lightning Strike, but have had a Volcanic Hammer, a Sorcery Speed version of Lightning Strike, it gets played. Okay. I think I think universally every time. I just think it's a lot worse than Lightning Strike. It is. It's Volcanic Hammer with upside, but it still got it still gets played. It. I mean, Red Mage mentality, man. Stop trying to be impressed with the cards. Yeah. Just, just play the cards. Face is the place, man. This is this yep. is the removal spell we have. I mean. Would it be so this is this is the thing, right? Would lightning strike be so overpowered if it had this kicker ability? I don't think it would. I agree. It would be an upgrade and it would be a relevant upgrade, but I don't think it would make it too powerful for standard. I think the kicker is just a smokescreen, dude. Yeah. It it'll get you and it'll feel bad someday. Yeah. But m- for the most part it doesn't matter and I still think this card would get played. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So this was the card that was making me feel really skeptical to play the Vampire Nighthawk, because all of Mm. your red decks are just going to be able to knock that one out of the sky. It's going to feel pretty bad. Yeah, if if this card is seeing widespread play, that that card suffers. Yeah, yeah, that's the the biggest card that loses from Royal Eruption, in my opinion, Uh, especially since it doesn't have haste. You know, it's not a Brazen Borrower, so... When your opponent brazen when your opponent eruptions your brazen borrower, you're gonna feel like you got ahead in that exchange. Whereas if this takes out like a relevant three drop, then you're gonna be pretty far behind. But hey, it's another type for the graveyard to make your next one bigger. <laughs> you know, you they go. usually don't play sorceries. There you go, baby. <laughs> it's all upside. Read for us thieving skydiver. One in a blue, two one Merfolk Rogue, Kicker X, where X can't be zero. Flying. When Thieving Skydiver enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target artifact with converted mana cost X or less. If that artifact is an equipment, attach it to Thieving Skydiver. Got him. Also, also bonus points, excite the nerds. Uh, for any particular reason? Oh, yeah, Colossal Hammer. Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> there you go. Colossal Hammer. Dude, never has Colossal Hammer been more popular than with the spoiler for this set. And it rotated. It I rotated. Know, it rotated. It's so brutal. And I have to keep reminding people, and they refuse. Like, every... The, the meme on my freaking Twitch streams for a week now has been this card with Colossal Hammer, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe Historic, right? Maybe Historic. Gonna be a fun jank deck. In the meantime, this card is weird. My guess is you don't play it unless, I don't know, some kind of artifact or equipment-y deck ends up being a big part of the format. X copy zero is interesting to me. So if I'm reading this right, the floor on this card is actually just a three mana two one flyer that does nothing. Is, is that 
right? Well, you can play it without without the kicker, right? You don't have to pay the kicker. I you can have see. a 2-1 flyer. Okay, so so basically what you're saying is you can't steal a zero-cost artifact without paying any mana? Yes, you okay. have to pay at least one for the effect. So if you want to steal a Stone Coil Serpent, you have to pay one. That's pretty deep. That's gas. <laughs> Stealing your opponent's Stone Coil is gas. Not bad. I don't know, though. I mean, this just seems so situational to me. Like, do you even take sideboard slots to play it? It depends on the positioning of artifacts, right? Yeah. I mean, as soon as somebody said, you can steal Lucky Clover, I'm like, good job on turn four. Yeah. They'll raise and borrow it back. Yeah, you know? it's not going to be good it's enough. Not good. Not good. Yeah, this this card seems very, very situational to me. It's possible that just having a 2-1 flying rogue is already upside in your deck, and so that makes this card more playable, but it's still not enough, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not close to enough with the rogues that got spoiled in this set, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, there are other, other competition, right? So, yeah, I don't even know if this sees sideboard play, but if if there's some artifact that is bossing the format which is cheap enough which demands an answer those that's a lot of ifs but if all of those things are true then maybe basically a good ozolith deck yeah a good ozolith deck is a good example that's the thing it has to be cheap by the time you steal embercleave with this you're dead all right <laughs> get that out of your mind all right get that out of your mind your opponent cast embercleave for two but you have to pay six to steal it so there you go Kargan Intimidator. One on a red human warrior at rare. It is a 3-1. The first line of text gets my attention already. Cowards can't block warriors. Boom. I thought that were like a fact of life. I didn't know it had to be text. <laughs> yeah, on. it didn't need to be named, right? There you go. Static ability, and it's a doozy. Pay one mana as many times as you like. Choose one that hasn't been chosen this turn. Cargan Intimidator gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. That's one dot. Second dot. Target creature becomes a coward until end of turn. Third dot. Target warrior gains trample until end of turn. I mean, card's got a lot of text. Uh, the more I read this card, the less I like it. Are you into it? Uh, with you. The more I read it, the less I like it. It's kind of an all right red two drop red did need some two drop love mm -hmm. the ability to gain plus one plus one is probably what i'm most excited about yeah quite does. honestly there i'm gonna get some red mages it's gonna be good content somebody out there is going to give say my one my one four creature you know, it's going to target it right turn yeah. it into a coward mm -hmm. and then attack with a pair of one toughness creatures and because that's a static ability i'm going to remove the cargan intimidator with a removal spell and then yeah. i'm going to block the other one toughness creature even though i'm a coward because the intimidator is gone and they are going to concede uninstall mtg arena and download a different game <laughs> who's the coward now baby <laughs> exactly yeah here's the problem with this card just one of the, the number of problems with this card is that when are you really going to want to spend the mana on this card? Mono red decks don't spend mana on activating mm -hmm. creature abilities. They spend mana playing hasty threats and freaking getting in there. They spend mana leaving up shock mid-combat. They spend mana leaving up 
combat tricks mid-combat. So where are you going to find the mana to pump into this thing? And I, I assume that if you have the available mana to pump into this thing, you're already losing the game. So that's that's kind of my read on this card. It's not a clean addition to the um, to the two-drop spot for red. I don't think you just slam four of them. Yeah. It's not automatically great. Sometimes Rimrock Knight is significantly better. Agreed. So, yeah, uh, this card is an option, but I'm not sold on it either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting card. It has enough text that, I don't know, you have to kind of respect it, I suppose. All right, Seagate Restoration. I'm very interested to hear your take on this card. So go ahead and read this for us, CGB. Seagate Restoration is four blue, 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 seven mana total. Sorcery Mythic Rare. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game or be a lightning bolt land. You know, take three damage for it to be untapped. Uh, add blue. So I'm just going to give you my hot take on this card. My initial read was that this was one of the worst of this cycle, but I, I don't know. Are you higher on this than I am? Not by much. Mm. I'm going to play it because it is in this cycle in the colors I play. Yeah. But I'm not playing it because I feel like I can really abuse it. It's. I think the most interesting thing about it is the fact that it doesn't exile uh, so you can get it back and cast it again once you have a few more cards stocked up in your hand with something like the green regrowth. There but we're go. basically, we, we're saying that we're not doing anything. You know what I mean? And I do kind of want to try it in Turbo Fog-ish deck, but that's like old school nonsense. I, I don't think this card is particularly good. One of the reasons this card isn't very good is that the only reason in decks that play cards like this that you're going to want to spend seven mana main phase to play this card is that you have nothing else to do. And if you have nothing else to do, it probably means that you don't have that many cards in your hand. And if that's the case, it means you're not going to get very much value out of this card. So the more, okay, the more cards you have in hand, the less incentivized you are to cast this, and so the less benefit you get from it. So it's, that's the, my problem with it. It's kind of perverse incentive. If you have literally nothing to do, maybe you're flooding out, maybe you have two lands in hand, and then you just main phase this to try to find something else that's not the end of the world. And being able to get that out of your tap land is, I would agree, pretty powerful. But I mean, dang, dude. And then, you know, in the in the other case where you have to shock this in and take three, that's going to feel pretty bad too, especially in these blue decks and not going to want to be taking random damage. So that's kind of why I'm low on this card. Yeah, and the downside is probably... The downside of having to shock for the untapped ability is probably more intense if you're playing blue because blue decks can't usually miss a beat and they telegraph things like that they have a counter spell when they shock in especially if they pay three life for it on turn three or something like that so like i it's still gonna see play but i'm not nearly as excited about it and when i look at the options from the other colors i'm very frustrated so i think they could have made this card better and it still would have been busted but, you know, let's all agree, blue, most powerful color in Magic, so they didn't want to push it too far. Yes, thank you. I mean, green's been giving it a run for its money, but in the broad sweep, it's still blue. So, there you go. Why don't you read this one for us, CGB? Morog, Fury of Akum. 
Morag, Fairy of Akum, for Red, Red, Legendary Creature, Minotaur Warrior, Mythic, 6-6. Six, six. Each creature you control gets plus 1, plus 0 oh for each time it has attacked this turn. Wait, there's more. It's one of the best teaser lines of text yeah, ever, though, right? Yeah, like, like, lots, you start there and you're like, huh? Huh? Okay, Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there's an additional combat phase after this phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. So what you're telling me, CGB, is that we could potentially trigger this more than once a turn? Yes, (laughs) you could. You could, in fact, put lands onto the battlefield to create multiple combat steps do keep in mind, damage does not clear. Your creatures have to survive the combat. Yeah. Also, I'm in before the uh, comments on probably the YouTube is where this happens the most. You don't go infinite with Uro. The land has to enter the battlefield during your main phase. Mm. The land from Uro, the, tr- the attack trigger enters in combat. Yeah. So you, that's, not an, that's not an endless combo till they die, yeah. okay? yeah. Okay, so this is one of those classic probably win more cards. Uh, One of the things I like about this card, if you're trying to do the thing, is that you could actually win the game the turn you play Morag. So even though it itself doesn't have haste, the ability could still be very relevant for the purposes of winning the game. The problem is it's going to be hard to play this on curve and get value out of it if you have some kind of onboard things that are helping you hit your land drops then this could be pretty strong, but it also supposes that you actually have creatures in play when you play this. So I think in general it suffers from all of the problems that big dragon finishes suffered from. But, I mean, it's an objectively powerful card, and it's definitely the kind of card which says if I untap with it, I will win the game. So, I don't know, Like, is, is there any more to say about it than that? Did we cover Ashaya? We did in our last show, yeah, right? Yeah, Ashaya, yeah. Okay. So this does say untap all creatures you control. Ah, that's a, that's a combo. So for every land that you get to play during your main phase, you'll have an additional combat phase, and in each spot you could tap those you could tap all those creatures yeah. for mana and then untap them. If you can find a way to keep the lands coming, you might be able to do some nonsense. But it's very complicated because mana is going to clear at mm. different phases, mm-hmm. right? So you've got to find ways to use all that. It sounds complicated, but super interesting. And then we'll get to Nahiri's lithoforming and whether or not that's what you do with all that mana. And I don't know. The The card is exciting in a million ways, and it's going to be a build around. And the fact that six mana for sorcery speed means it's probably not going to be a standard winner but it's going to make for some sweet YouTube videos and content along the way. I expect this card to be one of the more uh, viewed Twitch clips circulating during the release event. Yeah, this is going to be like a Miramot level of memeing out of this card. I think that this card gives you incentives to play things like the Selfless Savior. You just really want the damn thing to live. Oh, yeah. I mean... If you play this and you just have a Winota and one or two creatures that can survive the combat, like like there's a lot that you can do. It's just about what deck is going to have the mana and the setup and make it pay. Maybe it's just enough. 
on its own to get two Uro attacks. Maybe that is so far ahead, mm. or Gargaroth attacks. Maybe you're so far ahead that nobody comes back from that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, so if you're building around this, it's worthwhile putting cards in your deck where you're really hoping to just frickin' keep this thing around because it really does win the game on its own. I mean, if this is the only creature under your control to turn you on tap with it, you could still just win the game. Dang, you play a land. Boom. Another card worth mentioning is Perforos. Let's see. Oh, Perforos. Dang, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty deep, right? That's pretty deep, jank but- deep. I mean, haste. Yeah. And you only spend three mana to get this, and then you hit your land drop, and then you still have three mana to play something else, and you turn Perforos on. It's indestructible. Yeah. And it is game ending, so could be worth better playing win. crummy cards like that in your deck to enable. <laughs> you spent turn five doing nothing. You better win. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So, anyway, yeah, the, the power is there. We'll put it that way. The power is there. Okay. Another card which I am actually fairly excited about. Which, uh, you know, which you had mentioned or alluded to earlier here is Phylath World Sculptor. Read this for us. Four red green for a legendary elemental creature, 5 5. When World Sculptor enters the battlefield, create a 0 1 plant creature token for each basic land you control. Landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put four plus one plus one counters on target plant you control. I mean, what a payoff, man. Baby, this thing is cool. Throwback to Avenger of Zendikar. Have you played much with that card? No, I haven't. <sighs> Baby, you're missing out. So uh, my Avenger of Zendikar experience goes to Magic Duels 2014, where you could get a green deck that had Primal Ti- Primeval Titan, Avenger of Zendikar, and Tooth and Nail, and you would often just make like like 26 sixes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so this card is not that good but it's got a lot of those things going for it for one thing i think there's going to be a lot of incentives to still have basics in our decks like a lot a lot a lot i don't think that's going to be the it's going to be a drawback but not a huge drawback i think most of the time when you trigger this you're getting you have like three maybe four plants to work with and putting counters on them becomes very powerful very quickly this plus like a fabled passage is what is that 13 power potentially the turn you play it and those o one those o one plants uh they can block that big old six six hex proof hasty guy <laughs> yeah so this is what we're looking for on our six drop creatures a of all we want them to be able to win the game on their own which this absolutely can this is like if you untap and play i mean if you get a single landfall trigger out of this you've gotten paid so not that hard to do. This card just makes a board on its own. Uh, like you said, I mean, the floor, I mean, the absolute floor on this is you get no plants, but if you've built your deck correctly, that's basically not going to happen. Yeah, I just think like in a deck that you act, you're actually building around Phylath as a finisher, you're going to have plenty of things to do with those plant creature tokens. It's just easy to see scenarios in which you untap and win the game with this thing. And and the, the fail state is that even if you don't untap with it, you still made X number of plant creature tokens which your deck is built around exploiting anyway. So it's hard for me to imagine this not being very, very good in the deck that you would want to put it in. Now, whether it ends up being more powerful than whatever else is going on in the format, whether it ends up having the full support is the only real question. 
but the, the base power level of the card is high. Yeah, it does feel like this could be the Nissa Omnath, where are we going kind of payoff that puts out enough power and toughness that the opponent has to do something or they're just going to be dead. And then, of course, you get it back with the regrowth effect that's also a land, and on and on we go, you know? Tasty. And this may be stepping into jank territory, but if you have any way to blink this card, whoa, baby. So yeah, another pretty sweet, exciting card. Here's another card that I think is actually pretty good. Cinderclasm. One and a red instant at uncommon with kicker single red. Cinderclasm deals one damage to each creature. If it was kicked, it deals two damage to each creature instead. So apart from the mana cost being different, uh, this looks like a strictly better flame sweep to me. I suppose Flame Sweep got around killing your own flyers in some cases, so that was a better thing. But in general, Cyndaclasm looks like a very good card to me. It's a good answer to the World Sculptor and the... Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sure Just is, man. Take out those plants, man. They're about to get way too many counters on them. <laughs> yeah. Again, like as long as you actually have the double red to cast this, I think it's better than Flame Sweep. Being able to cast this for for the you know the front side and get value out of the wand damage just mm. seems like a big upgrade. So um, takes out the cobra. Yeah, it kills the cobra. It just this card does a lot, man. I mean, how playable it ends up being depends on the format, but it just seems like a sideboard role player, and I I don't know, it just looks like a very good card to me. Also, looks nuts if the red decks of the format are playing like one mana one win, two mana three one. Yes. Which looks very possible right now. Nasty. Nasty, yeah. You're, you're going to get paid on that two-mana mode sometimes. It's, this is a, feel... it's a party record, dude. Dude, like, total. Where'd your party go? <laughs> Bro, where's my party? Dude, this is this is the popo. Cinderclasm is popo. They break up every party. Man, sometimes Cinderclasm is going to come down and kill two of your opponent's brazen borrowers, and they're going to feel real bad about that. I already do. <laughs> yeah, we're I'm already drawing. Right I'm out. sad right now. Gas. This card gets a total gas from me. CDB, why don't you take us into Brushfire Elemental? Red green elemental creature, 1 1 haste, can't be blocked by creatures with power of 2 or less. Landfall. Brushfire Elemental gets plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. And I'm kind of excited about this because of the curve and potential landfall synergy that could happen if you want to draw up a play pattern that's very very scary you can play brush you can play turn one a uh, hellhound the o1 yeah, like it's plus two plus two mm -hmm. you can play turn two this card get in for three turn three you can play i believe it was roy rolling regrowth and get three landfall triggers and attack the opponent for 13 nasty so that's that's the scenario that people are going to look at and say, is there an aggro deck from Landfall? And when it comes to exactly that, yes, there is. And next turn, you're going to untap with five mana. Can you do something there to end the game? I bet you can come up with something. So I, I think Brushfire Elemental is worth a look for that reason alone. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. It's these landfall decks are going to be very swingy. I think if they exist, there's going to be games where they just totally demolish you, and then there's going to be games where they peter out real quick and have a bunch of dorks. So, but I do agree. It looks like Gruul 
landfall is being set up to be a particular aggressive deck in the format. And cards like this are powerful enough. This card is good, man. If you get a landfall trigger at least once a turn, this card is very, very good. It's also hard to block. That yeah. can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. We've seen that come up with the questing beast a lot more than I think. I mean, people read questing beast. They didn't know what to think. They're like, this card must be good. It's just a million miles of upside. But that unblockability has been more relevant than I think people even thought. And this has that. But on a cheaper body, that can potentially hit even harder. This card depends on whether the deck as a whole ends up being playable. Keep an eye on the deck. That's the thing. Keep an eye on the deck. If there is a deck, this card will be in it 100%. Read this one for us, CGB. Relic Robber is 2 in a red for a 2-2 Goblin Rogue at rare with haste. Whenever this card deals combat damage to a player, that player creates an 0-1 colorless Goblin Construct Artifact Creature token with, quote, this creature can't block, and at the beginning of your upkeep, this creature deals 1 damage to you. Have a here, have a gift. It's fine. It's like when your neighbor gives you a cat that's like all messed up, <laughs> like a very evil cat. And it doesn't like you're OK. You will live, but you're getting a, like half the sleep you used to get. So it's kind of like taking one damage a turn. You're just going to die a lot sooner. Yeah. And then it has a litter of kittens. And now you have a bunch of awful cats you need to deal with. <laughs> so what we're saying is this card needs to be spayed and neutered. Gas. You know what this card is? This is a three mana Chandra Awakened Inferno. <laughs> That's what this card is. Oh lord. Oh lord. Well, at least they can't fetch it from their adventure they sideboard can't to trigger <laughs> they can't that fetch rant. It from the sideboard. So really hard to evaluate this card. It seems janky and kind of crappy, but those little docks are gonna be annoying over the course of a game. And if you get two hits off of this, you're going to feel pretty good about it. This card ranges from flagrantly unplayable to surprisingly decent in my mind, and I really haven't made up my mind about it. So help me out, CGB. What, what are we doing with this card? The card is good when it can't be blocked, and I'm not willing to invest mana into that operation. You know what I mean? I like, I'm not, people are going to play, play uh, Sabira, right? And use her ability to make this unblockable. And it's like, no, I'm not putting any extra mana into it. I want to pay three mana, hit the opponent, then gift them this little pinging artifact that they have to deal with, or they take more damage for the rest of the game. And when you do that, it's Legion War Boss. And when you can't hit the opponent, it's trash. So it's sideboard, in my opinion, at best. The meta would have to be really weird to where there's just nothing on battlefields whatsoever to make this good. And I'm, I'm not into it from a competitive sense but maybe sideboard against control that's the best i can do so if you get one hit in with it do you feel like you got paid it depends how long the artifact also sticks around right i mean what what can they do something with it most decks can't but i mean if you say that you main this and you've decided this is your new jam and your opponent casts village rights you're going to yeah, feel like a clown. Yeah, Village Rights gets owned. Yeah, any kind of sack deck is going to laugh at this card. Can I interest you in curving this into Torbran? For what reason? It's an artifact creature token, and you don't control oh, it. Oh, that's, so it's not a red creature. Yeah, it okay. doesn't get a Torbran boostie. So no, we can't interest anyone in that no. combo. Yeah, I agree this card is like a role player. Maybe it doesn't see any play. 
I think it has the potential to be uh, okay. I don't think it's Legion War Boss, but it has the potential to play a similar role. Some decks are going to have a really hard time dealing with those tokens. So, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested. I think it's very sweet, situational, flavorful, very situational. Ooh, okay. This one, this one. If if there is a playable white aggressive deck in standard, it will definitely be playing this card, Luminarch Aspirant. One and a red creature human cleric at rare, one one. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Do you agree with me that this is gonna be the backbone of of white aggressive decks in standard? I, I have to back it up and say that you said it was one in a red, and I'm not letting you take this from white man. Oh. They've lost too much. <laughs> My bad. They've lost too much. My bad. It, no, it is a white. No, card. obviously. Yeah, it, it was just a misspoke. I was just really hoping to dagger you there, but you even said twice it was white, and now I feel bad. <laughs> but uh, I, it's okay. We Guys, guys, it's a lot of cards. It's a lot it's, of it's, reading. We've done a lot of reading today. <laughs> but this card is sweet. Um, on its own, if you have nothing else going, you have a two-mana 2-2 two, two, the turn it enters the battlefield, and if the opponent doesn't shock or bone crush it, then it can, on its own, be a two-mana 3-3, three, three, which is way above rate for white for some reason. Uh, so the counters, though, are far from irrelevant. If you want to play with Conclave Mentor in that deck, this is another trigger every single beginning of combat, which is exciting for free. If you want to play with Speaker of the Heavens, I think this is one of my favorite interactions. Mm. Like those two scale so fast. Oh, yeah. And they're and they're both clerics. So cleric tribal, let's go. Mm -hmm. Right? I believe Speaker is a cleric. I'm pretty sure That's it was. That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, what else would it be? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> it would it's be not a it rogue. would be the worst flavor ever. <laughs> what should be a vampire rogue? <laughs> oh my gosh so i played bassery cat with speaker a lot in 2021 and that was just putting a counter on it the amount of life you gained very quickly was a big deal um also um bassery's lieutenant works with plus one plus one counters this pushes them around the card has synergy with a lot of pieces that haven't found a home in white yet and i think will mostly because of this card the frustrating thing about this card, quite honestly, is that it is a cleric, and all the other cards that you want to play before and after it are clerics, which makes it very awkward in parties. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. There's a bit too many clerics for it to be a party card. Yeah, but that's one okay. The, one of the issues is that I don't know that you want to play this in the cleric stack either. Really? Oh, well, I here's my question, right? This is only just because when I look at the cleric payoffs, they seem to be more like sack value payoffs and not aggro payoffs. So that, that's why I say that. Well, that, but it, there's a huge difference between those sack like value payoffs if the opponent has to try to do something about it, right? If you want your Arc Fiend's vessel in the graveyard without drawing a village rights, sometimes the opponent will just let it sit there all game and attack for one or do nothing while they build up their strategy and by the time you can get it in your graveyard they can deal with a 5-5 five five, right but this card just says okay you're gonna have to do something about this little guy because he is gonna beat you to death he's gonna keep attacking for more and more so they can either kill the aspirant or they can kill the vessel you get back the aspirant now they gotta do it again like I think that it actually makes a bunch of those little sack value cards matter in ways that they otherwise wouldn't. Okay. No, that's totally fair. Being able to put the counter anywhere you want it 
is such big game, right? Because it just scales well with the game. If you, whichever creature you get the most value out of growing, you slap it on there. One of the nice things about this card, if you suspect that your opponent is going to be doing bone crushy things, you could just start putting the counters elsewhere, and then you get paid even if your opponent kills this. So, overall, I just I think this card's very very strong, and it's one it's going to be one of those cards where like sometimes you resolve this on turn two on the play, and your opponent looks at their hand and they're like, I'm just going to lose to this card. It's the best white two drop in a minute. I think we found seasoned hollow blade. It was a lot harder to give up the cards, you know, and that card didn't really pay off, but this card's going to pay you. Yeah, and the two of them are going to go together quite well. I mean, imagine this pumping the Hollow Blade. That sounds pretty gas to me. So, yeah, I think it's going to be the backbone of white aggressive decks if they see play in the format. This card, <laughs> some some controversy around this one. So, CGB, read for us Magmatic Channeler. One in a red for a human wizard at rare. As long as there are four or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, Chandler gets plus three, plus one. Tap to discard a card. Exile the top two cards of your library, then choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. It's a one, three power toughness. What's the controversy? Just whether you play this card. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of deck? Let's let's start with a deck yeah. type. So it has to go in a spells deck. Does it? Yeah. You have to have spells. In the graveyard. Yep. For the bonus. Yep. So we're saying that without that, it's probably not worth it, right? Because I think a lot of people are looking at discard a card, XL top two. You may play one of them. Nah. And they're thinking that is insanely good. Nah, dude. You're not going to play this in your red deck or your gruel aggressive deck. Get out of here. Uh, yeah, I have heard people talk about mono red, you know, this, yeah. that this is your new two drop, and I, I agree. Well, okay, so, so here's the thing. If we're talking about mono red burn in historic, oh baby, this could definitely be a consideration. Because that's a deck which is basically half creatures and half burn spells, and if, you're, if your two drop ends up fishing for more burn spells and being a 4-4 finisher late in the game, then heck yeah don't know whether it's good enough for that archetype but that's kind of a cool consideration if we're talking about not standard um as far as standard goes uh, just having a hard time okay so where are you playing it and how good is it like is this a must get you know i mean Does, it, is this a true upgrade it looks like a you know like a blue red wizard spells kind of a card and okay let's acknowledge the power level is there so a four four for two mana is very good a card which can, in theory, draw you more cards off the top of your deck to cast is very good. The problem is that it requires some enabling, so that's the first thing, and having to discard a card to get the effect off the channeler is pretty brutal. So I'm not immediately saying it's bad. This is another one of those cards where I'm going to need to see it before I believe it. I would also throw in that tapping it is kind of brutal. Yeah, You're not the going tap to is be hard. blocking with it if you're using it on your turn and if you're using it on the opponent's turn it's definitely iffy like nothing is going to be more brutal than discarding a card exiling two cards and playing neither like that's pretty unacceptable and um so the the thing that i've said about this card on twitch is that i think it's an elaborate trap it's a cool looking trap but i think it's an elaborate trap because in in the deck where it seems to make a ton of sense, like a proactive is it spells deck, 
where you play it for two mana, maybe you use the ability one or two times, and then two turns later you're attacking with a 4-4 that you got for two that gained you a little bit of selection and helped you fill your graveyard. In that deck, I think you would have been paid better to be more aggressive. If you had just played a more aggressive riddle form, sprite dragon, you know, any of these effects, set up a stormwing entity, like if that's where you put your mana, I think you're better off than you are with Magnetic Chandler. And I think that this card's chance depends on the discard a card text. If there's like some advantageous discard that we can make and set up some kind of a cool, I, w- I want to say reanimation, but I w- I'm hoping it's something a little like that already has kind of a janky <laughs> affiliation. But if there's some way to set up a great graveyard with this, like what, it, how's this if it's your two drop in like a teamer Uro deck, right? So it fills the graveyard a bit and helps you find, hit your land drops and play your Uros, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst idea. The team of colors are powerful. You get to play interesting cards like Shark Typhoon and Counter Spells, although we haven't seen very many good Counter Spells. It's not the worst idea, but... Yeah, I I want something better. I really do. Yeah, There's nothing like objectively bad on this card. It's just really hard to figure out where it goes. That's the issue, because we're not, you know, we're not playing Merfolk Secret Keeper just to enable the dang thing. People <laughs> people are going to try to curve this into Riel and then go off, but that still sounds too janky for my tastes. Um, all right. Talk about another weird card, man. Leyline Tyrant. Read Leyline Tyrant for us, CGB. Two red red for a dragon, mythic, flying, 4-4, four, four. you don't lose unspent red mana as steps and phases end. When Leyline Tyrant dies, you may pay an amount of red. Any amount of red. When you do, it deals that much damage to any target. Okay, so here's my first question. You still lose the mana at the end of your turn, right? No. Okay, so you just keep it for all time. It would be the ultimate troll if they were like... Oh, but turns are different from phases. You know what I mean? Okay, that was my main question with this, because if you just get to keep the mana forever, then that's a start. It's a start with this card. I'm not like I'm not saying that I'm a buyer on it, but it's a start. To my knowledge, while this is in play, the mana pool does not empty. And that's red mana though only. Red mana only, correct. Yeah. yeah. If I'm wrong. There will be 50 comments on YouTube, and you will know before I do. Okay, there we go, there we go. So, is this still worse than Terror of the Peaks? Probably. Mm-hmm. I think they have very different functions. Mm-hmm. I think the big problem with this card is that it's red. Yeah. Like, you you said it before, red doesn't keep mana lying around. Red is about efficiently spending mana until the opponent's head explodes. Yeah. It's interesting. It seems like they're trying to give us a lot of combo options for red. If you look down the list of rares and mythics in this set, you've just got random janky combo enabler after random janky combo enabler. This is a combo payoff. Iron Craig feet. Here we yeah, go. Yeah. Exa- people are going to try it, man. They're sure going to try it. And I mean, we can both agree that the, the ceiling on this card is immensely high. I mean, the ability to generate a metric crap ton of red mana from this card is not to be underestimated. However, the ease of it to die as a 4-4 that you didn't get any value out of is also not to be underestimated. 
So this is going to be a role player in a very specific deck if it ends up seeing play at all. Looks like a fun build around, but my initial thing is to slot this into some C or D tier level of jank. <laughs> yes. I've been fooled too many times over the years by four mana mythic 4-4 four, four flying dragon with some kind of a flashy ability. Yeah. To I, I can't get excited about this anymore. Yeah. It's a weirdo, man. This is like the the guy who shows up late to the party with a bunch of beer that no one wants to drink books just like him too if you look at this art <laughs> yeah. like what is going on with this what is this dragon this kind of looks more like a sea monster than a dragon to be honest yeah yeah sea beer monster get out of here you weirdo all right i'm very interested to hear you read this next card cgb take us into it Juari Disruption is one in a blue for an instant counter target spell unless its controller pays one or have a tapped blue source. I, you want, okay, okay, you want my take? Sensor has been reprinted in standard. <laughs> this is not as good as Sensor. It is not as good as Sensor. Because the card you draw is complete trash. Not remotely closely as good as Sensor. But I actually think this is it's okay here's the thing late in the game when this card is no longer good and you draw it getting a tap land is not good either so this card's actual power level is non-existent but the mind game power is incredible because what i'm gonna do with this card is play it on turn one as a land. So you're going to have your singleton copy and you're going to slam it turn one tapped. And then for the yep. rest of the game, your opponent's going to play off curve. <laughs> if if you get an opponent who, you know, is trying to out big brain you and they see you slam this on turn one and then you pass with two mana open the next turn, they're going to be like, well, I don't want to run my card into that. So I'll wait one more turn because the threat of sensor was always better than sensor itself. And it's the same with this card. So is that actually a good enough reason to play this card? Probably not. This is probably an absolute zero, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, get, into, get, get the mind games going, man. You're not a blue mage if you don't mind game a little. My initial take is that the average player would win more games by forgetting this card was ever printed on either side of the battlefield. Don't play around it and don't put it in your decks, but you know, you're going to get got by it. It's going to be really annoying. And who knows, maybe it ends up being the counter spell we didn't want, but the counter spell we need. Real quick, Mind Drain, two and a black sorcery, target opponent discards two cards, mills a card, and loses one life. You gain one life. Any shell in which we're cool playing this card? I, this is the new official card of the podcast because of the flavor text. Would you like to read it? Oh, okay. <laughs> the meal was exquisite. The conversation less so. Hey! <laughs> I feel baited. <laughs> CGB's entrapped, and I'm baited. <laughs> no, don't play this card. Come on, come on. You get, you can get three cards in a graveyard. Yeah, but that's that's the reason I'm like at all thinking about it. It's the best mind rot ever, and it's still it's not, still not playable. It's still just not up to standard. I don't think so. I mean, I there's a world, but I don't get it, and I think that I'm better off not worrying about it and playing cards that get that do stuff you know that get the job done because this is still has the biggest mind drop problem terrible top deck in the late game yeah and it's 
and you're right, it's just frankly still not really good enough on its face. So, but um, anyway, I wanted to cover it because I think people will consider running it in their like rogues deck or their basically any deck running the uh, drown in the lock, right? People are going to be looking at this card and I, I think I would agree with you. Just just pass it over, pretend it doesn't exist. All right, now we're on to our next mythic sorcery land. This one's kind of interesting, so read this for us, CGB. Turn Timber Symbiosis is four green, green, green sorcery. It's one of the ones with a pay three life for this to be untapped green source on the back. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. If that card has converted mana cost three or less, it enters with three plus one plus one counters on it. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. What do you think, Green Mage? Cards not amazing, but I would play this all day in my green aggressive deck. A of all, you're aiming to be the deck that doesn't care so much about life total, so a deck that you're fairly willing to pay the cost in. B of all, flooding out is real bad in these decks. So in the situations where this finds a Yorvo or a questing beast off the top, you're going to feel pretty happy about it. In the situations it finds one of your dorky one or two drops, you're going to feel pretty happy about it. This is kind of flood protection in your aggressive green deck, and like I said, that deck wants untapped lands and doesn't care that much about the life loss. So consider this, for me, a slam dunk for of in any aggro mono green deck. What I'm curious about is in the other decks. Like, for example, do you play this in your Omnath deck? I don't know. Kind of interesting. Uh, that's a good question, actually. I think so. I think it's among the best of this style. And I think that is alone a good enough reason to put it in a deck that has a creature that hits if you have enough of them. I think the Gruul Landfall deck is going to play this no question. Because they've got those that haste critter to hit, too. Like, when you hit, hit a haste creature with this, like, you're doing it, you know? You're adding a ton of extra pressure to the board in a spot that normally would be a top-decked land. It, like, like, that's what you want. Unlike most of them, which kind of don't play with a lot of the strategies of modern magic decks, like, we've kind of be, we've talked down a lot of the other mythics in this cycle because of that, this one plays with the strategy you want. Threats on the board, pressure constantly just retaking the battlefield with the best thing going on and forcing the opponent not only to match it but to create their own like that's what magic has been and this card is that and big surprise the green one is good <laughs> the green one is playable i agree it can even hit a zero zero like that yeah. would normally be a whiff right no you're but right you can... stone coil comes yeah. in as a three three. Oh baby yeah that's not normal so Great. Awesome. Four of them. Green decks. Let's Love it. go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, no, I agree. Any any green deck that cares about creatures should just be running probably four of these, but definitely some number of these. Yeah, I mean, okay, the absolute fail state is that you spent seven mana and you whiffed, but how likely is that to happen? I mean, it's going to happen to me, but how likely is it going <laughs> to happen to anyone else? The 6-6 six, six hexproof Haste is a 9-9 hexproof haste. Damn, now we're really doing it. <laughs> Can Or just just picture like a Naya deck, and on turn 7 you play this and you grab Winota, and yeah. now you attack. Yeah, I, it's like, I, 
It's pretty cool. Hard to see the downside in any deck that would at all consider running this. Okay, this card is interesting to me. Concerted Defense. One blue mana for an instant at uncommon. Counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pay pays one, plus an additional one mana for each creature in your party. So the flaw on this card is a spell pierce in which your opponent has to pay one mana. I don't know if that card is playable, but spell pierce is definitely a playable card. And I think that the decks that would consider running this are like these roguey, tempo-y decks. And I don't know, man, this card could be a blowout, especially if you're trying to play this, protect your rogues just long enough to get them dead. Maybe like protect your Zareth San kind of a card. Also in some random spots, your opponent taps out for their, you know, they spend five mana to kick their Jace or something and you just freaking get them for one mana. So do you agree with me that this card is at least worth considering playing? It's worth considering. Yeah. Target non-creature spell has been well sometimes it's good sometimes it's not and we've got to get a feel on the format for how hard we get punished if the opponent like we play this and the opponent like goes off with omnath you know and it's not looking that good zarasan <laughs> zarasan's looking sad um but i do like it protecting the rogue deck i think that as a spell pierce as long as you have a rogue on the field it's definitely worth considering so yeah, I like this card. Do you think the stock in this card goes up when everyone's main decking four to eight to 12, seven mana sorcery lands in that deck? Maybe, maybe. It depends on how often we're actually reaching that point of the game and how often it's broken by these plays, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like it depends on what the end games of the format actually look like. I really don't care very much if the opponent makes two giant 4-4 angels if my rogues are somehow unblockable anyway and just smash right through but yeah if that is indeed a brick wall for my team then yes i would love for them to spend seven mana and get wrecked you know i th this could be a very difficult card to play around especially if you're like if you have a lot of flash threats which these rogue decks are going to be playing having four brazen borrowers in your deck makes this a much better card so this could be a card that is very good when enabled by other cards in your deck, which are already very good and playable. And so when I look to a situational card like that, that's kind of what I'm looking for. So I'm, I'm coming in hot on this one. I think that the tempo decks that play any number of rogues should be running this in the 75. Whether it's just a main deck, I don't know, but should be running in the 75. Agreed. Another DFC. <laughs> Read for us Malakir Rebirth, CGB. One black instant uncommon choose target creature. You lose two life until end of turn. That creature gains. When this creature dies, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. And it is a tap and a black uh, for a black land on the flip side. This one looks what? like one of the more underwhelming ones to me. It's interesting. It doesn't say put it into play under your control, it's owner's control. And I can't stop trying to think about how to steal the opponent's creature with it. Like, like when would I ever target the opponent's creature with this card? That's, that's what I can't get off my mind. On the other hand, 
on turn one, you can play Vessel, and on turn two, you can play mm, this in Village right. Rights and have a 5-5. Five, five. Okay, that's a start. And if that, and if you don't have that draw, you have a tap land. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody might try this. I could see those sacrificey, sneaky decks giving this a shot. And it is an instant, so you can play it on your creatures, protect them from removal. That works. So this card isn't terrible. It just has a very specific job. It really wants to work with death and ETB triggers, and it really wants to. Like, you, you probably want ways to kill your own things because this will rot in your hand otherwise. But it's one of those conditional cards that I think is definitely benefited by being a DFC. Yeah. I mean, it looks like this Cleric's deck is going to end up being a very heavily sacrifice-based deck. So this could be a role player. I mean, did they have to put two, lose two life on it? I feel like that was unnecessary. Your Cleric's just get it back, bro. I guess Suck so. it up. I guess so. They could put lose five life on it. Who cares? We're just going to gain it all back. We don't, we're, we're clerics, baby. All right. Talk about an interesting card that has to do with the amount of life you have. Scourge of the Skyclaves. One and a black creature demon at Mythic with kicker four and a black. When you cast this spell, if it was kicked, each player loses half their life rounded up. Scourge of the Skyclave's power and toughness are each equal to 20 minus the highest life total among players. So we have another Death Shadow style of card here. This is such a weird frickin' card, CGB. What are we doing with this? Well, if you're going to kick it for 7 and then have a 10-10, and it doesn't even fly. It's a demon, but it doesn't fly. All right. Um, then I think that you're just playing a different game. Uh, the commander players are going to be very vocal about this in commander multiplayer games. Good job. You you are vocal. This is MTG Arena Craft. So they didn't put shock... Like, shock lands are rotated. A lot of what you do with Death Shadow is try to lose your own life, but you also have to mitigate your opponent's life total because it's the... It, it feeds off the person with the highest life total. That, that's one of the main problems. If it's localized to one player, you can just focus on lowering that player's life total. But you don't have that with this card. So you have to do both. And you don't have shock lands. So what you have to do is be aggressive and hit the opponent pretty hard. And you probably have to play a lot of the pay three life lands and bolt yourself to make this card come alive. And you... If I understand this right, its power and toughness are equal to 20 minus. So as soon as both players are at 19, you can play this as like a 1-1? One, one? Yeah. Okay. So at least you don't have to get down to like 7 life before you play this and it just dies or something. Yeah. You want to get this on the field and you want to pressure both players. And I think that's asking too much. I think the card is going to be a dud, but it's at least going to be a puzzle of a dud that we have to figure out. So it's interesting. It makes me want to play it with the shock lands and the lightning bolt lands and thoughtsies in historic very much. But in standard, I, I'm curious to see where it lands. I'm not really sure. But keep in mind, Malachar Rebirth, baby. Lose to life. And when they kill this, it comes back. There you go. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So I think Death Shadow also didn't really see play in standard when it was released, but it turned into one of the more powerful things to do in modern. 
So I agree with you. Like the further back you look, the more possibility we have with a card like this. I wouldn't count it out. I mean, a two mana card that, you know, has the potential to A of all just be a massive creature and B of all does actually have the potential to make your your opponent lose half their life if that's your goal. Uh, seems pretty strong. I don't know. This goes into a very particular shell and I don't particularly think we're going to have the pieces in standard. That's my guess. Also, there are just games when your opponent will be at 18 and you'll resol you'll resolve this and they play an Oro and it just dies. So <laughs> watch out for that. <laughs> Oro yeah. is going to be a stone cold killer against this card. <laughs> oh, don't. No, you're spoiling the fun. You're spoiling the fun. We were having so much fun before Oro showed up. <laughs> just crapping on the party, man. Thanks for listening to part five and keep an eye out for part six, which we'll be releasing very soon this week.